Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Good, how's it going with you? Oh, I'm pretty beat, man. I'm pretty beat. It's been a long week for me. Um, it's been a great week, don't get me wrong, but it has been a very long week for me. Uh, I had to go to Ohio over the weekend for a job, um, the Hawking Hills Bigfoot Festival out in Logan, Ohio, I think it was, um, which was a, a ridiculously fantastic event, by the way. I flew out on Thursday on very, very little sleep. I got very little sleep that night, and then over the next two days, Friday and Saturday, this giant free Bigfoot-themed festival occurred where, check this out, over 11,500 people showed up over those two days. Dang, dude. I did it. It was like 300. No, you didn't do this one because this is the first year. This is the first year, and they got 11,500 people or more. They shut down two or three city blocks um, in, in this little town out there, and everybody from just 100 miles in every direction came, I think, man. It was a lot of folks there. Uh, Eric Altman was there along with me. I mean, there were a lot of good people there. Um, uh, oh, Adam Davies was there. Um, some some UFO guy, or he's in a Nephilim. What is it? L.A. something? L.A. Yeah, his name escapes me right now. Uh, very, very popular guy. Really nice. Spoke to him for a little while. Um, but, but yeah, there, a lot of good people showed up. I heard some really amazing firsthand stories. I remember uh, these two women showed up, they're sisters, and they told me about seeing one when they were seven, and they, they were 20 feet from the thing, this juvenile cupped, you know, drinking out of a, out of a creek with his cupped hands and such. Um, really, really cool stuff. And then, of course, on the way back home, my flight was canceled and had the uh, drive out, way out of the way. Luckily, Suzanne uh, Ferencheck took me um, all the way up to Cleveland, three hours away, and then dropped me off at the airport there so I could get home that night. And then while I'm on the plane, you know, like planes have Wi-Fi and all that sort of stuff, I, I get a I get a text. There was a sighting. There was a sighting that uh, happened on Sunday. Um, so I was out there walking for miles in the woods for hours and hours and hours yesterday in the same area looking for sign. Found a trackway. Um, in the duff, but everything's so dry here right now. There was absolutely nothing castable, but you could see, uh, you, you could see where this thing had escaped the area. And but they weren't there yesterday. Um, the guys who encountered these things, one guy got a pretty good look at it, another guy got a pretty mediocre look at it. The other guy totally missed it. Um, three people in the same area. They said there were three of them. They were completely confident there were three of them based on the sounds. So now it's today. So I, I've been just slammed busy. So. You know, it, uh, I'm very, very tired, but, you know, this is not a woe is me story. It's like being tired after running a marathon story. <laughs> right. And you finished. Yeah, I, I finished now. I finished now. And that's what matters. 
it's funny because I started getting reports out uh, east of here, like Willow Creek, kind of High End Palm and, and Hoopa. The fires are out there, right? Moving around? Just before the fires. And then now the fires started hearing some more stuff. Yeah. Get out there and do some Thurman and looking around. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah, you've been kind of an out of the woods working and stuff this past summer. So it'll be nice to get out of there for, you know, get out into the real environment for a few days, I bet. Good. Yeah, without a camera crew or nothing, just just uh, focus strictly on that. Isn't it nice, man, without a camera crew? You want to introduce our guest here? Because I watched his uh, video last night. And and again, his, his, his universe is much more exciting and interesting than the one I live in. So <laughs> let's go ahead and get into that. Yeah, we got our main man. He was on Finding Bigfoot show with us for years on the road. One of the, I got to say, the most positive-minded, nicest, most generous, loving human being I think I've ever met. The one and only RPG, Ryan Patrick Golombeski. Welcome to the show. Yeah, but damn, but do, boys. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good just to hear your voices. No wonder so many people love you guys. I'll just listen to you banter about nonsense. It's wonderful. All right. well, welcome back to the show anyway, RPG. You're one of the, the few people that have been on the show twice, so congratulations on that one. Whoa, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a great honor. It sure is. Yeah, you're, you're very, very lucky. You must be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope Moneymaker doesn't find out. <laughs> he's going to be pissed. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back, but he doesn't want to be on this show. We have to force him. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah Melissa says hi, by the way, so... Oh, Melissa, I love her. I, I can't wait to work on a movie someday where she's running the, the props and the horror props and everything. I, just to see her skill like increase over the years is incredible. And it's more just keeping that passion, you know? She's just so, so into it. It's, yeah, it's inspiring. It's awesome. Since we got so many new listeners, if you missed it, we had RPG on episode 143. You can go back and listen to that and catch up so we don't repeat all the same stuff. But since that time... RPGs hooked up with uh, Stacy Brown, the one and only Stacy Brown from Florida. RPG moved down to Florida. He's trying to become Florida man, but I don't think he'll ever make it. But uh, <laughs> you guys have been working on a movie together, and the first segment came out, and we just watched it. So we had to have you guys on and talk about. It. We're going to have you on first, and then uh, interview Stacy separately following this. And actually, I'm really I, I, I watched the video last night, of course, with Melissa, and um, I'm glad to hear that it was the first one. I'm glad that and, and there's going to be more because I didn't feel like a lot of the stories had resolutions to them. So I'm looking forward to see how these things actually pan out in the second uh, episode here. Oh, I was so pissed when the, it wasn't, I, I thought, I didn't know it was a multi-part like miniseries and I, I'm like cliffhanger. And it wasn't quite clear. I found that out. Cause I guess that, um, is it IMDB? I think listed it as what do they say? Volume one. So that that's good. So we'll have some resolution here because uh, some of the stories I felt like left hanging a little bit. There was no resolution at the end, but that was the intent, I assume, right? RPG. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, that's issue one. And you know, when you make a issue, film, there you go. Yep. Yep. Issue one. Because we 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 want people to understand what we went for is a live action graphic novel about all the paranormal stuff that we love, with an emphasis, obviously, on Bigfoot. And, you know, as you do these things, you kind of learn some stuff because when you, well, you guys know better than anyone, you work on a team, everyone gets to have a say in this and that. And, you know, all we had to do was put a to be continued at the end and it would have just cleared all that up. But we just didn't, you know, it's just a choice made and, and no big deal. But that is the that is the one real complaint, which is like, oh, my God, like we'd be, that's it. That can't be it. Um, but it was designed 
to be different than the other films that are out there. You know, we're, we're not trying to compete with everyone else. There's some beautiful storytelling happening. Um, we wanted to innovate the space and create something that uh, whether you're the, the person in the relationship sitting on the couch that's not really into it, you don't get bored. The thing moves. It's about being on a roller coaster that hopefully stimulates you emotionally as it goes through. And, and as we know, once you get to the end, actually makes you consider whether or not you should even be watching it. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, I had that feeling pretty early on. Based on some of the witnesses, I had that feeling pretty early on. So, But you know, I got to say, Cliff, how hard were you tripping when you saw the return of Roger? Oh, that was the same guy, wasn't it? Yeah. We thought he was yeah. dead like 10 years ago. Like we, He was like on death's door when we were there. I mean, it, that guy, he's the most intense, gnarly dude of all the people we met on the road going around the world. He was by far the gnarliest just badass. You could send that. I mean, you could put that guy against three Navy SEALs, and I'd take him. He was the guy with skin cancer when we were out in uh, Florida filming that episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had it really bad. Now he's made another appearance in the Skunk Ape experiments, um, and I'm afraid he's not looking so good. I'm glad he's still around, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but when I was there with him, unfortunately, I mean, he was in such bad condition that um, there was actually blood dripping from his ear um, in some place. He had like he had pretty bad skin cancer at that point yeah 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 he's uh he's losing his body slowly and he's he is he's just such a powerful animal human being i mean this this guy was a perfect shot with a rifle boxer wrestler uh you know catch pigs barehanded like if you meet his son hunter who is also in the skunk ape experiments he's the guy we actually go out um, pig hunting with he he used to be like that you know what i mean like uh i don't know just the ultimate badass guy and that's why he just he won't he's not going anywhere i don't know what's going to take him down but he sits on that porch and he just watches you know like I, I was just talking with matt and it was amazing he's like dude i've been out over 50 times this year i'm like that's there's a part of me that finds that so sexy and amazing and essentially roger if he truly is cohabitating um then he's doing it every day, all day, all night, because he can't sleep. I mean, he's, I can only imagine the amount of pain he's in. Um, but he was amazing because for oh, all dude. of that and for barely being alive, essentially, uh, he went everywhere with us. He made sure he showed us everything. He made sure he, he spoke. Um, he's really inspiring in, in terms of, you know, delivering at your worst. Right. Yeah. He was tough, man, because he didn't even go to, I don't go to no doctors and he's, Still, I mean, I saw him. It's been ten years since we filmed him. He's sitting there smoking away, like, like, damn, how's that? He's like Mr. Burns on The Simpsons, you know, like, there's all those concoctions that keeps them alive, perfectly balanced. If anything goes out of whack, then he'll immediately perish. But um, as long as he continues forward with those cigarettes and being in the sun and all that sort of stuff, he'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what? A, what? A, what? A, he's a survivor. He's clearly a survivor. Clearly. Mm-hmm. So. Good for him. And, and, and Roger, if you're listening to this, man, I'm good. To, I'm super stoked to see you out there. So good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I was shocked. And one thing that I was kind of questioning was him blaming the Bigfoot for him, for what happened to his, his face and stuff. And I was like, well, I think that was more the sun getting skin cancer than Bigfoot. Yeah. I, I mean, 
who knows, you know, at the end of the day, you just, you interview these people and you ask what their story and what they believe. And he believes that where he lives is so heavily trafficked and he's so involved in that just by basically always being there as they come through, um, that they've cursed him because, you know, I'm sure Roger has shot at them, yelled at them, screamed at them. Like, you know, he's get off my property. And next time you come to my property, you go around, you know? So he doesn't, he didn't have a good rapport, but then as he started to fall apart, I think he began journaling. Stacy actually asked him to journal and just keep track of it. And so, but it's not just him too, his neighbors, that, that is Mr. Rogers paranormal neighborhood. I mean, uh, the neighbor next door, you know, doesn't want to be on film, wants to be left alone, but more of a typical person experiencing squatches on the fringe and uh dude she came home one night and and this thing slammed the hood of her truck and scared the bejesus out of her um and she actually ran next door to roger and roger sent hunter this and hunter's a giant you know and and they were all scared to death to go just bring her home she had pictures of other strange creatures in her like in her barn and her thing you know the you know, when you go down these paranormal wormholes, it, it really opens up when you get in there and you're like, all right, what do you what do you share with everyone? Let's just focus on the squatch. But then you'll see in the skunk ape experiments as well, their, their next door neighbor, um, same thing, man. They've got a little like five acres, I think it is, 10 acres and just walking his dog. And he ran into a family of them and they also ran into a male. And the male growled at him. And this is another guy who's, I don't know what's in the, the, the food or the water in that area, but these are all like giant men, you know? And like little babies, like, like scared to death. I mean, as everyone knows, if you've actually seen one or at least been close enough to feel that primal fear, uh, it's different. It's just, it's, it's rare and it's different. And, and everyone in this neighborhood has been, uh, been experiencing it. You know, Roger's just the one that really wants to get it out and let people know. So that's why we, we tried to focus, you know, more, more with Roger and really give him his time. But the whole area is is it's that's the north part essentially of uh, the Mayaka River State Park, which, for those of you who aren't familiar, that's essentially like south north the, the northest part of southern Florida. Um, you know, if you break it up into south, middle, and and north, um, but it's super squatchy. You can talk about old man's beard. I mean, that that's absolutely everywhere. Uh, but yeah, mega, mega dangerous in that area. And we even interviewed his next door neighbor, which you're going to be introduced again. And you're going to go, you're literally going to be like, where the hell are you getting these characters? These are ridiculous. These belong in a horror docuseries. And it's like, yeah, here we are. Um, but they had, they, they hear him killing the pigs. So basically as the pigs come through, um, they'll hear it, you know, and of course they come out guns blazing, thinking they're after their own cattle and whatnot. Um, and then it's nothing. And then they'll actually hear them. And these are people that, you know, they lived in the woods essentially their whole life on these farms. And he's like, yeah, I never heard anything like that before. Scared, scared me after death. Woke me out of a dead sleep, you know, uh, out of a dead sleep. So whatever's going on in there or whatever's happening is really intense. And, you know, it was an honor to just be able to kind of cruise the neighborhood for a little bit. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso en Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. 
So how did this whole movie evolve? I mean, how did you hit up with Stacy and all that? The way it unfolded for me was um, I had essentially you know, given up my producing career to, to have kids and then made it on TV, and then that didn't work out for me. So I just lost my way, and I, I went to a funk for a year or two. It just, you know, it happens. It is what it is. And I was looking to climb out of that. And for me, I climb out of my funks with travel, and I take off and I go on an adventure, and it just makes me feel alive again, and, you know, it just wakes me up. And so I knew that we were going to be heading down to Florida most likely. So I, I hit Stacy up and we started talking about what could we do. And Stacy, when the, um, when the Falconer footage came out, which is like 2013, 14, something, um, you know, he, he was one of the first on the scene down there to investigate it. And when they went out, what, what people may or may not know is, uh, it was still there. This, this was, and this is something that in the Skunk Ape experiments we talk about, and it's, it's all out of order. So you got to watch all three. That's the, the point to hook you. But, um, but there are some really gnarly things going on that people don't know as part of the story, like going out there. Um, when Falconer first went out, there were all these pigs hopping around. We're talking young pigs that should, fresh pig, right? But with one leg snapped as if something broke the leg so it couldn't go very far. So, you know, fast food was easier to catch. Besides that, prey everywhere. Um, really just, I don't know, it's like what we all hope to find. But then if you find it, it's, it's a scene of a horror movie. And then they end up going out that night and, and it's there. It's actually still there. They got there, you know, it's the dream to, to get on scene, you, you know, before it leaves. And wouldn't you know it, though, even a team that is there, that does this, that is prepared, that you know, mentally, you know, everything, um, they missed the shot. It ran, they did a fire line push, okay, through this one part of the swamp, which is nobody's over there. There's, nobody goes there. I mean, maybe park people, but nobody. Even the bridge that goes to it now is out. That's why in the film we had to cross this gator-infested water, and I was pooping my pants. But um, I digress. So they do this fire line push. And it runs down the line by them and they hear it. They smell it. They're all like, holy crap. Like, you know, the typical thing when we're doing this, Oh my God, it is real. It, it, you have that moment and it gets to the end and, and our, our boy Bill Brock is there and he just didn't turn on the camera. You know, it's, it was so powerful and so overwhelming that he just experienced it. And he, he right in his face, like right in his face, turned and ran and that was it. And so this adventure was a revisiting to that area, kind of our, that was our in to go to Mayaka. Let's go back and let's re-examine and see if it's still there. See if, you know, maybe that something's happening again. Um, and there were no new reports. It wasn't anything like it was lively or anything. We just, we needed a place to go, you know, that was super squatchy, but kind of near everybody. Um, and that's, that's how we got there. And then in terms of finding like the people, like our, like our Rogers and stuff, um, these are connections that have been made because, I would almost say any good squatcher worth their weight in gold has to remain flexible and be able to get in their car and take off at one in the morning because somebody's like, I got a sighting in my yard right now. You need that kind of enthusiasm and passion if, if you're going to get close and hopefully get a, you know, a sighting or a true experience. And Stacy's been good at that. You know, he, he's, he has a life that's flexible enough where he can get in the car and go. And so 
you know, that, that's, that's how we got in there, got down there. We find these people, Roger would have sightings and he just went right over and started talking to Roger. Okay. So tell me about it. You know, like basically not afraid to go into any neighborhood, any place. If, if people are willing to talk, cause that's, that's the hardest thing, right? To get. Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone else that Roger would have talked to besides Stacy. Well, there you go. Right. There you go. But yeah, we, th- that's how we kind of got through and got to meet up with, with Roger. And then we also had connections at the Crowley house, um, which is where we actually went on finding Bigfoot. Remember when we went to the Crowley Center, and uh, and you guys had action that night as well in the woods. You guys heard him in the woods. Oh, that was that. But you know, I didn't know that there was a Crowley Center at all. I just I remembered that uh, I remember that night's investigation, but I didn't know where we yeah. were. Yeah, I was at Crowley. That, we were, that's where we were. You well, I mean, you guys were all over, but one of the places you went was was this place. I mean, it's the only way I can describe it. It's like the old growth part of the entire swamp complex. It's there's just something. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a little magical magical place. But anyway, super super squatchy, and the actual Crowley House. So see, w- what we did in the film is we we broke up three storylines, okay, and we wove them together so that you can't get bored in any section. Like right when you're kind of getting into a section, we cut you to a new storyline, just like you would if you're flipping through a comic, you know, and you're jumping between these different adventures they're on. Uh, and we did that purposefully because we, we, like I said, we wanted to create a docu-series that moves. And, and you know, that's, <laughs> I believe we've done that and we've done it masterfully, especially when you're doing it at our level where you're, you're essentially doing it for no budget. You know, you, you have to get really creative and, and uh, make it work. Um, anyway, well, the production looked great. I'll give you that. The, the production yeah. value of, of the thing looked very impressive. Awesome. Yeah. Who did the comic book stuff? Yeah, it's kind of very a, a creep show sort of interlog thing. Yep, yep, yep. And the funny thing that that came about because you, you remember Monster Brothers, Bose, right? Uh, the yeah. where we wanted Monster Brothers to go was to be a live action graphic novel. So that's that's kind of where that idea originated from. But now we had an opportunity to do it, just you know, like at a more hardcore level. Who does the animation stuff? I only know him as Kenny, but yeah, he he put those together and. And uh, we thought they came out. They're fun. They're great. This was remember when you were flipping through the old comics or graphic novels, and and you'd even I don't know. It just it should feel nostalgic, and you'd get to the back, and there'd be like, ooh, laser. You know, you could buy a laser gun or a time machine or you know some kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. As it progresses, we want to play more with that, and and also making it a live action graphic novel. One thing you may or may not have noticed at the end is we began to play with the color. So as he is, as he is provoking or, or trying to invoke pan um what's actually happening there is the two worlds are bleeding so the graphic novel and and our reality is bleeding because what we would like to do is instead of maybe doing reenactments in the future um we can cut to animation because we really we want to go in that direction like that's that's where everything is marvel you know it's just it, that's that's hot and if we can go paranormal comic like that way um i think that would be a nice niche for us it would very be very unique um, and so anyway, the, the goal ultimately is to really make it feel that way and then be able to switch to animation and come back to the live action. And that's obviously, as you guys know, it's a it's it's a hard line to follow because everything we do is real. There's no there's no BS in this that that this is a real adventure, you know. 
but we're packaging it in a way that's uh, we would argue is more commercial, you know, or maybe not initially, but once it catches on, uh, we we think people will really enjoy the, that fat that kind of roller coaster ride. And Cliff, you're going to get all the answers to everything, all the the cliffhangers, kind of like stories left open. Um, that's another lesson we learned, which is people binge watch today. So you either do a concise movie and and then do another one or you got to kind of release them all together. So we're actually planning to release two and three together. So, so there is no confusion and nobody's actually angry because it just ended. Um, so we're, we're listening. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're listening. We're learning. We're excited to, to evolve and grow and, and create a flavor that gives us a chance to have our own finding Bigfoot and, and, and run with it for a while. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, that, that graphic novel approach was, it was unique. I mean, it was it was really cool. I was like, God, those guys, they really nailed it. I really liked it because it brought me back to watching Creepshow, who is one of my favorite movies. Um, and also, I love the series as well. Yeah, and that, that's straight out of their uh, playbook there. So I thought that was a nice nod to them. I'm assuming it was a nod to them. So Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, all the things that we grew up watching and enjoying, if you really just sit down, you're going to see it all. You're going to see it all. Like, uh the, when, when we first go into the Crowley house, right, we're also trying to have fun out there. It's kind of almost like a rite of passage for, for men out there, you know, because we're pushing each other. We're doing scary things and stuff. And I actually, I said to Stace, I was like, hey, you know, this opening shot, what if we do it in just one take? Because I don't, do you guys remember the, I think it was the last episode of um, the first series of True Detective when they did that one continual shot through all that action and shootout and drama? It, it just cinematically, it's just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen shot. And obviously we couldn't do something that, at, at that level, but let's go for it. And I challenged him, you know, like, can you do it? And of course, Stacey's not going to back down. Yeah, I'll do it. So we did that and we were able to do that in just a couple takes um, and, and run through the house and kind of give you an intro, which is kind of how, you know, how that all came about. What weird stuff have you guys had or any squatch action like off camera, like when you're not doing the movie, have you had anything like that around your house? Um, well, what we actually found out, I don't want to give it away too much, I guess, is, uh, but in, in Mayaka, you know, we basically ran into everything, but uh, that place is filled with gators, pigs, snakes. Uh, you just, you can see my apprehension in the film because, uh, you know, I'm not a Florida man. I'm, I'm in training, but yeah, I might, i my palms might be a little too soft uh, for this area. Cause it's like mini Australia. Everything here is trying to eat you, kill you, sting you and get you away. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but no, when, when we were there uh, at that actual part in the park, it, it, that wasn't very squatchy. It was everything but. Um, and then Roger's neighborhood was we couldn't get to anything. Everything was like bizarre there. You know, how, how do I explain it? Like the hiking we would have had to do to get into the, to those areas. That was like. I don't know, Africa bushwhacking like intensity. And we just, we, we weren't going to push it like that hard um, in, in terms of the first time there. When, if we go back, uh, then yeah, absolutely. We're going to, we hit the crap out of it. Um, but of course, when we weren't there, he was calling us and telling us this action was happening. So, you know, could have been us and too many people. You hear that all the time, small group, much better likelihood or single but no. And then Crowley. Now, Crowley's where it got interesting because you ask if I had any experience. OK, so the climax of issue one of the Skunk Ape experiments, um, we basically have this all guns blazing approach to try and make contact with whatever a skunk ape can be. And there's different theories. Obviously, everybody has different theories. And the ones we're examining in this is, you know, there's there's the potential of flesh and bone. 
Um, it could also be an ancient Greek deity. If you, you look into Pan a little bit, you know, uh, who knows, could have been a Bigfoot originally because they, they don't even, if you look up the history, it's really muddled where it really began. Um, and then also I have a friend named Patrick Jackson who believes that a lot of what we're actually running into is this AI, basically ancient advanced drone tech. And it's everywhere. It's uh, it's another whole wormhole. But but basically that when we see these things, it's these spheres, uh, Foo Fighters, is the name people, that kind of keep us away either from the flesh and bone ones or from areas that they don't want us in. So we're just kind of examining all of that. Um, but at the end of issue one, Stacy launches into this hymn to Pan to, uh, to invoke this spirit. Now, simultaneously, I am mirror gazing upstairs and looking in, you know, focusing on this candle in hopes that as this deity arrives, I essentially give it the easiest path to like greet someone. And I'm the first one there. And it's, uh, I got to tell you, like, um, without giving it away, to do something like this is, I don't care who you are, but if you were brought up in a religious context or household at all, it's going to scare the crap out of you because you're going to think you're summoning the devil or something, you know, even though that's not what we're doing, but that's, it's just that fear, right? So how do you take someone who, whose purpose is to be the one to greet this thing and, and basically lower that fear level so that you can, you know, you can find your Zen space and actually be present and, and not afraid to greet them. And one of those ways I used a technique to help myself kind of get over that hurdle. Cause you also have to understand right before I go on, the guys are telling me, Hey, 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 if any demons or monsters or anything show up, they're not going to show up right in front of you. What are you crazy? They're going to slowly lean their head over your shoulder and you're going to pick them up in your peripheral. Now, just take a moment and think about that. You're in your room, you're alone, and this head just comes over your shoulder. And right when you look, it's, it just gives you that. Okay. So everyone's a jerk, basically. But we're all guys. We pick on each other. We play. That's part of it. But it's also not good when you're about to do an experiment where you need to be relaxed. You need to be focused. So I used a technique that allowed me to basically face this, what I perceived as the scariest or most horrible thing I could be doing at that moment, um, with the wonder and awe of like a child. And it's needed. It was able to, it's just beautiful because it, it takes all of that fear, all of, all of that silliness, and it just moves it aside. And what you go back to as an animal to our base, to our base being is curiosity. And that was really awesome. And, I, and I'll be honest, you'll see it in the film too. You know, it took me a while to kind of relax and get into it because when you hear Stacy do this hymn to pan, it is going to unnerve you. It's, it's unnerving. It's, it is. It, it's it's powerful regardless of whether you believe it or not it's powerful and and my dumb ass didn't want to uh i didn't want to hear it i didn't want to know it i'm i'm more of these days like don't fill my head with all the crap of what happened here because then i'm going to go in with all this like i want to i just i don't want to know anything and i want to go in and if something happens and it matches with what happened great so i hadn't heard it i i'd read it but i hadn't heard it ripped like that it, it freaked me out dude that when when he goes into that chant i Dude, that was disturbing. Yeah, yeah. The irony is, what if we end up having arguably the scariest ending in a documentary or docu-series of all time? Which we didn't set out to do that, but it really could be a contender because... And listen, for you guys that are going to rent this movie, one of the things I challenge you, watch the end of issue one with the volume turned up. Like, try not to turn it up. <laughs> Try. I, I dare you to try not to do it because you're going to want to. Even I want to when I watch it, okay? It's that intense. So now imagine me sitting in a chair, 
gazing in a mirror, knowing that I'm supposed to be the guy that meets this, we're hoping a Bigfoot, but it could be some, you know, celestial demon, Greek demon. Uh, and we're just, and, and he starts screaming. So now I got to get through the scream and I got to get through my religious upbringing. I got to get through the fact that I'm alone upstairs and these things are going to peer over the side of my shoulder and bite my neck, like, and getting all through this. And I was, I was able to eventually get through it with breathing and, and with a little help, as you'll see in the film. And I began to see things which were really, really interesting. And, and uh, without giving away too, too much, um, what happened was the flame, as I was staring at it, all of a sudden I was, at a, I was looking at a campfire. And then all of a sudden I noticed what looked like, like hands around it, like these bone fingers and they're all kind of around the fire. And then these, these, and I'm like, what's going on, you know? And then these faces were like leaning down almost as if they were trying to look in at me, but they couldn't get near the light. And, and this voice just kept telling me, uh, you, a woman there, this psychic that was there, she put a spell of protection on me because she was scared to death for me that she's like, you need a spell of protection. And at that point I was a little nervous and I, I didn't want to get it, but I did. I was like, it's okay if you want to, and I, and as I'm doing this, they're basically saying we can't get close because of that. That's, and that's just, that was the thing that kept popping in my head. And then at one point, uh, that then changes to these gnarly roots, the knuckles of what look like mangrove trees. And I, but I was looking outside of, of, of the Tatum house, which is on the Crowley Nature Preserve. And I'm looking outside. So it's, it's the backyard, but instead there's like mangrove trees there, but I know I'm looking at the backyard and and I see in the trees as I'm kind of scanning it, they're all this kind of monochromatic gray, like different types of grays and stuff. These two squatches standing there, like, and, and what's funny was they're the two squatches, those, uh, the Australian uh, clip, you know, the ones with the bleeding eyes there, they were yeah. standing there. And the only thing of color was these bleeding eyes. And they were looking at me from the, from the bushes and just staring at me and I'm staring at them. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, just, I can't believe it. Like, you know, you go into this with skepticism, even if you believe it and you think it's going to work and all this, there's still a party that doesn't, that thinks, ah, this is, you know, silly. Well, it isn't. Yeah. At least a little part of me that doesn't. Right. <laughs> at least a big part. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm an experiencer and I, and I, it's so interesting. Right. And so these things are standing there bleeding eyes. All of a sudden uh, our boy Emmett's outside and he's like, Hey, get down here. I see something. So, where I'm seeing, staring into a mirror, what I'm, what I'm looking at in my head, in that spot, Emmett sees a Foo Fighter, sees an orb right in the same spot that takes off and goes away. And he's a dude that's, Emmett's like salt of the earth. He's, he's into this because we are. Like he's not, I, I, you'd have to meet him. He's like someone, you, well, he's someone you either completely trust or go, I don't trust him at all. But, um, but he's, he's one of the real nice guys on the team. He, he's not, he's not, he's not a BSer. And so we go, we, you know, we, we go, look, and what are the odds that at the exact same moment that we are trying this, that we not only see these squatches, but then, or I see these squatches, but then this thing, this sphere, this, this Foo Fighter, this orb that keeps showing up everywhere I go, like ev all these adventures, they're everywhere, they're everywhere, which we don't want, I don't know, most of us, we just dismiss them because they're not big, sexy UFOs or big, sexy squatches, but they're there. And you know, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that information? What does that mean? We, we don't know, but that, that really happened. And that's like, as you guys know, on adventures, like that's the high strangeness that surrounds all paranormal adventures. And obviously the deeper you go and the more you dive into it, the, 
the more you begin to notice it, whether you want to or not. Um, and that was really well, profound. RPG, let me ask let me ask you something, and, and please, and I love you. I love you. You're a good friend of mine. You've been a long time, uh, but you know where I stand on all this stuff. You know, I mean, don't don't take my silence as an endorsement by any stretch of the imagination. Although you did make an entertaining film, don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as the ideas of you know chanting and summonsing pan and portals and orbs and divining rods and psychic mediums and all this other stuff. Um, and I'm thinking, well, what does this have to do with Sasquatches in any way? So what do you expect someone like me, who's kind of a reductionist sort of amateur science nerd who thinks that what we should be doing is traveling down the road of amateur, um, field biology to get to the bottom of this mystery. So what, what, what would you hope or, uh, yeah, what would you hope someone like myself would take away from your docuseries? Well, as we know, it, it might not be the docuseries for Cliff. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it was. It is a completely different, we're, we're like, a, you know, we're looking into all avenues of what it could be. What I'm hoping maybe someone like you may enjoy eventually is uh, we're going to try everything. The most dangerous, the most crazy, the most gnarly stuff. It's not all going to be spells and stuff. We're going to do, we're, you know, we're coming up on some other stuff where we're just going to go more remote than people. You know, most people don't really go that far in the woods or spend much time there at all. So we're going to start doing things of that nature as well. And what we hope is that in, in, in us, you know, charging into the unknown, we're eventually going to do some experiments and some things that get a real result. And then my hope would be, I'm more of the guy like, you know, that goes and explores first, finds something and then comes back and says, Hey Cliff, Hey Matt, you know, Hey Bob's, I think I found something. Here's my proof. Then you guys go and you take it to another level. You know, I'm not personally, I'm not trying to be the expert in any of these fields or anything, but I want people when they think, man, should we go look for that thing? Who should we call? I'm one of those people on that list. I'm first on the scene. And then I know you to call and to say, Hey, this one I really think is real. Are you interested? So th that's what I would hope, you know, that we're just, we're trying, we're trying hard, but we're also, we're also making a show, you know, we want it to be entertaining and fun for people. And we want to be the dark horse in this particular genre where people are like, oh yeah, those, they're going to kill themselves someday, like just getting nuts out there in the woods. But man, is it entertaining. But you could, you could also say how much of the biologists bringing back in the last 60, 70 years, whatever it's been. I mean, there's, there's good stuff, but. I don't see anything wrong with trying different approaches and see what you get. Okay, I think there's two sides to that, though. To be fair, I mean, you, you there if let's say 30, 50 years down the road, Sasquatches are discovered, and let's say the Paranthropus or something is like, oh yeah, there's everything is totally biologically um, explainable as I predict it will be, etc. And um, and we we're, we're at this place, and that then we look back in the history. Um, of people like this, you know, like, uh, like uh, the skunk ape experience and stuff, not people like this, but like in projects like this and the skunk ape experience. Um, what direction do you think um, the, the compass will be pointing um, with your findings? Because um, there's weird, I mean, it, I, I, for, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this is, this is a fictional thing and this is fun. Okay, but then I realized, oh, this isn't fictional. This is actually, they're really doing stuff here. And they, and I'm assuming you guys really believe this, that these are um, productive avenues of research into biological entities of some sort. Um, 
or whatever what I interpret as biological entities. What what if you what if you're opening up? Like I've had ghost experiences, right? I've had UFO things happen. I've had weird stuff happen to me. The universe is a, is brimming with mystery and strangeness. I just don't think there's anything all that particularly strange about Bigfoot, right? So don't you think that you're um, kind of putting yourself out there against perhaps things that we either certainly don't and maybe shouldn't understand so well um, by doing these things and just by believing in something unbelievable like Sasquatches, you're kind of thinning the veil and exposing yourself to something that perhaps might not be healthy. I, I, I don't, Cliff, I don't know. Uh, if, if you're asking me like personally, what do I think is out there? I would say that there are all different types of relic hominids out there, different groups, different sites, different everything. And they don't live that really that far from us. And, but I think there is a divide and I think it's guarded, uh, by these orbs, these Foo Fighters, these things. I, I really do. I, part of my thing lately has been everything you've been taught is a lie. And I, I say that to erase the foundation and begin to rebuild it. And I've been trying to trust and lean more in my gut. Once again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't go to school. I'm not, I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not for that. But what I am is intuitive. And I've been trying to trust in my gut. And the second I read that guy's book, the second I heard him on my brother, Cosmic Cantina podcast, I, I, it resonated. He's onto something. Now, if that turns out to not be true, you guys know me, I'll be the first one to say, yeah, I was wrong about that. Followed that 17 years, son of a gun, but it's everywhere. And he's starting to get a lot of attention now. So in a nutshell, I think, yes, I think it's flesh and bone all over the place. And I think we are kept from each other as best we can with this tech that can do hologram. Why are people seeing squatches? They seem to you know, vanish all of a sudden, fade out, this, that. I think there is an invisible wall that most of the time is kept. And sometimes we see behind the curtain and we see the, and we see the Wizard of Oz. And that's at this point where I stand, that's what I think is going on. And only like people like Matt that are going out 50 a hundred days in a year in the woods and really pushing it. They're the only ones that are going to have the genuine experiences because they're just simply putting enough time in it, you know, to, to see it. Um, now to answer your question also in terms of like, where is this, where is doing a series like this, you know, gonna, gonna take us down the road eventually. Um, I'm hoping that this generates this wonderful interest. People enjoy this particular flavor, this more hardcore, wicked, whatever you want. And that creates an income to where when I get the call to go back again and you're like, you know, hey, uh, we're having live activity right here. Are you interested? I can actually finally afford to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the game is still to cohabitate or at least have wonderful friends that that want to share their wonder with me. Um, and that's what I hope the show does. It acts like a lighthouse and people just know that that dude is down and that dude is down to come and he's completely open-minded and open-hearted. So even if it may sound extreme, I'll listen, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean I'll come back, but, um, I give everyone a chance and, and that's it. You know, it's like a, I'm just hoping I draw that kind okay, of man, again, of please don't, please don't take this as, a, as any disrespect at all. As I don't, I love you. As, and that's, you know, we're, we're brothers and because we've had so many ex, uh, experiences through the years, you know, so don't take my question and throwing some, you know, slightly harder questions at you as, uh, you know, any disrespect. And I apologize if it came across that way, but I also don't want to, uh, people to think that my silence is a tacit endorsement for these ideas. Cause I think they're ridiculous. It's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. It's a really fun documentary. I loved it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, and but you know, I, I don't. I think you're barking up a different tree than a Sasquatch one. So whatever that's worth. So, 
ORPG, thanks so much for joining us. I really enjoyed the movie. I'm a little upset that it was a cliffhanger. I didn't know that it was not going to have a resolution right then. But you got two and three coming out. When, when can we expect to see those? Uh, those should be out at the start of October. So every two months, our goal is to release another film. Good score. Well, looking forward. I do find your films uh, genuinely entertaining. Thank you very much for that. And don't take my – well, you know me. I don't have to apologize for who I am. You know me well enough. We've spent years together. So um, – yeah, so whatever that's worth, I'm, I'm going to assume that we're all good. Um, but thank you very much for coming on and sharing this with us because you knew how I was going to react, and that takes some guts on your part anyway. So I really do appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, RPG. I love you guys. You know that. I miss you. I miss our time on the road, and I'm just excited to be a part of this new world that you guys have built. It's, it's awesome. And Cliff, absolutely, bud, because you know what's going to happen if I ever get real, real proof? You know who's going to get a call. You. Well, I would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. Well, thank you, RPG, and uh, hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Yep. All right. Thanks, RPG. And now we got Stacy Brown, another executive producer on the project and star. He's going to bring his perspective to it. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, so now we're going to go to the second part of our interview. RPG is gone. We recorded that last week. But now we have the other half of this um, dynamic duo. Stacy Brown, co-producer of the Skunk Ape Experiment. Stacy, welcome back to Bigfoot and Beyond. You're another one of these small folks that a uh, small number of folks who have been on our show twice. So welcome back. What's up, Stacy? What's up, fellas? So when do I get my uh, I've done it twice t-shirt? <laughs> well we'll see if you make it through the episode or not i don't know <laughs> right on still a wait and see process it always is man i know you well enough to not not to put the cart before the horse so <laughs> yeah right on it's just like this uh interview it just seemed like it was not going to happen no matter what i did <laughs> yeah we tried to have you on of course last week with rpg but um uh, technical difficulties made that impossible and scheduling and whatnot so we decided to do like a, a two-part sort of thing with the first half hour or so with rpg and the second with you so um now you can talk all the smack about rpg you want because he's not listening <laughs> i wouldn't care if he was <laughs> we don't got time to talk smack on rpg we gotta straighten cliff out Oh, really? What are we straightening him out about? Well, apparently you've gone off the deep end there, man. You think of Sasquatches or paranormal interdimensional things now? or what? Because what, what? I, I watched it. A very entertaining show, by the way. I enjoyed it. Um, Skunk Ape exper- Experiments. But, uh, but at the same time, really, dude, you're, you're chanting and stuff to try to summon Sasquatches? Or are you just chanting and doing all this stuff to just see what happens? So, okay, I haven't fallen off the deep end. Just let's clear the air. Uh, (laughs) I still, I I keep an open mind. Uh, You know, you hear a lot of things. The more and more people you talk to, you know, they they lend to Sasquatch being something different. Now, the the two sightings I had, thing looked just like an animal. But there's the whole telepathy thing, you know. Um, And I wouldn't give that a shred of uh my time except for uh my buddy Les Les Stroud Survivor Man he he said it happened to him and the dude's not crazy so it's like when you know I, I had a very in-depth conversation with him about that and I just got to keep an open mind because something's not working we really haven't made no strides in a long long time uh, I mean, what do we know about Bigfoots? 
that we didn't know 20 years ago. You know, it's all kind of the same uh, information. Like, nobody's out watching these things do what they do. And these things are constantly, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, disappearing from us. You know what I mean? They run off, they're gone, and then that was it. You know, Uh, the tracks, you know, just vanish. And the lights, like, I can't get over the lights. I don't know what the lights are. Have you seen them? The lights? I, I've seen them multiple times. Like I've I've probably seen the lights about fifteen times. Uh, and I don't know if it's just paranormal stuff that happens in the area because the spots where I've seen them, you know, like this one place is right by this thing called the Slave Canal. And back in the day, they had these slaves building this canal, and when the slaves would die from heat exhaustion. They just leave them in the canal, you know, so there's a lot of bad stuff that went on there. And so maybe it's just paranormal, but the Bigfoots are there. And like I I took small town monsters out. They came down and did an episode of their beyond the trail. I think that's what it's called um, with me. And I told them about these lights and I was telling them, you know, I think there may be a correlation there. And we were hearing knocks. And then all of a sudden this like basketball size, blue orb appeared right below the tree line and then it just zipped through the trees and was gone and then you know that's what i told him it's like guys listen this is that right there is why i can't that's why i'm having a problem figuring everything out it's like maybe there's just paranormal stuff in the area maybe that's actually swamp gas and i'm not educated enough to know what swamp gas does or looks like or anything like that which could very well be a possibility but it seems a lot of times when we have you know activity encounters more times than not we're seeing lights well didn't you say you thought they were conjured up by a witch like witches well so okay the place i won't say her name but the place where you fell down the stairs y'all covered the big handprint i didn't know for years that she was a witch and out there doing like conjurings and stuff like that. And then when she told me that, I was like, oh, she's crazier than a sprayed roach, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I left it alone, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I've been on this kick about, I've been like, people been at me for a while to write a book, but I was like, I'm not smart enough to write a book. I'm not smart enough to write a book, guys. Leave me alone about it. And then I found out like Pamela Anderson wrote a book. So maybe <laughs> I am smart enough to write a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, this things they could possibly be demons. There's a lot of there's a lot of similarities. So like the sulfuric, just rotting flesh, dead smell. That's something that uh, in the paranormal side they talk about a lot with demons the red glowing eyes uh glowing eyes are not a thing amongst primates or any mammals that i know of uh once again this falls back down to i may not be educated enough but uh, just from what i know there's also no eye shine amongst primates and i believe i heard it off of your podcast y'all were talking about the taped um whatever lucidum yeah and there's a tarsier yeah. or something like that that may have them but uh, yeah but besides that, you know, if if Sasquatch is just, you know, in the line of these primates that we know about, you wouldn't expect it to have that. 
if none of the other ones have it. Chimpanzees, gorillas, orangutans, anything that we know of. Um, and then communicating through knocks. This is also a thing that's like demons do. They, they'll like do taps or, you know, it, the only difference is you're in the woods versus in a house. And then another thing is like the telepathy. That's a very much a demon thing as well. So I just like opened my horizons. I still, when I go out, I still look as if the thing is an ape, but I also am going down these other avenues as well. Yeah, see, because that's something I brought up with RPG in a sort of long rambling roundabout way is that uh, what when you go diving in that pool to wonder if Sasquatches are demons or paranormal or stuff, who's to say there's something there's not something on the other side of the veil that is more than happy to let you think that it's a Sasquatch and just assume the guys and just mess with you? It seems like you're, you got, you might be inviting something um, into your your sphere of existence that may not be the most healthy. Um, thing to invite in and because they're just laughing at you like this this guy thinks i'm a bigfoot okay sure whatever doesn't scare you right um but like it seems that you're 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 playing with fire boy one of those but things you know? scare, but bigfoots do scare most people especially when they do glow in their red eyes and smell like sulfur and getting aggressive well you know demons will also be whatever you want them to be to gain access to you so you're right on that and there could be bigfoots being just normal bigfoots and then you know, if this thing can, like, read your mind, it appears as a demon. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I mean, the demon appears as a Bigfoot, and that way you're, you're, you're not flipping out. Because as scary as Bigfoots are, which one would you rather encounter? Oh, Bigfoot, any day. That's why I <laughs> think you guys are saying? nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there, there's... And so in, in that, in the film, I do this Aleister Crowley ritual, right? Um... Uh, he calls on uh, the Greek deity Pan uh, in his ritual to bring forth things. Now, Aleister Crowley takes credit for bringing the Loch Ness monster into existence, like into our realm. Aleister Crowley, for what he what he's worth, uh, that dude was shot out. It's crazy. Uh, however, like I've done this thing before through like Bill Brock's, like, hey, let's try this, and we tried it, and like stuff went insanely like you see it in the film we did it up at that we did it at the uh the tnt area and then the next night we're at the wildwood sanitarium and stuff just going nuts and really negative experience so we're like hey we'll try this again because at crowley and i took you guys to crowley on the finding bigfoot episode they they have a lot of bigfoot activity Orbs are seen, Indian spirits are seen, and that house is really haunted. So what we wanted to do was just like amp the energy up. And just in the off chance that Bigfoot is walking between worlds or however you want to say it, maybe if we're doing all this up here on the property, it will come in and uh, check us out. Because you were freaked out when you had that experience a couple years before when you did that up at that Senate? Was it a sanitarium or something? Were you yeah. in the movie? Were you, you're, dude, like knowing you and seeing you, like that had to be just gnarly. Well, so, like, it, I guess the last time, Cliff had called me earlier that day and told me he was putting something up about my dad in his museum. Right. And so that it was that day. I didn't want to bash Bill Brock's head in. <laughs> you might, you might. 
I might, but, but like <laughs> I'm never like sitting there debating it. And uh, <laughs> we're like five days into this thing, and so sleep really wasn't something we had a lot of. So I should have slept like a baby, but I laid there in the bed. There's something walking up and down the stairs, and I'm just having these thoughts of, "Why oh, you're a loser? What are you doing with yourself? Look what you're doing right now. You are." You are ghost hunting online for people to see, and you got kids at home. Go be with your family. You're a loser. You know what I mean? I'm like, just all these negative thoughts. But then as soon as I got out of the house, it was just like all the blood rushed out of my head, and it was all good again. Hmm. Very odd, very weird. Um, but at times, I've reverted back to that uh because I'm I'm like a dog chasing a tire. I don't really know what I'm going to do when I get to the tire, <laughs> but I'm going for it. <laughs> you you know went I'm for saying? it, man. That the, the closing scene in the skunk ape experiments was really intense. You know, but Melissa and I watched it, and she was all about it. And I'm thinking, I'm just like, well, Stacey's. This is a good little scene here that you pieced together. You know what it reminded me of actually is the boat ride scene from the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh yeah, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, the danger must be growing, and all the rowers keep on rowing. And it's like, oh my god, this is like it's super intense and but you're you're in the Crowley house doing weirder stuff than that man it was it was really something to watch yeah we we um because we had also an experiment rpg abroad where this guy was saying like bigfoot's are ai projections and we have a witness that you see in the second one well actually i would take it take that back you're not going to see that part of the interviews i just cut that out but uh <laughs> he talks about <laughs> the the bigfoot being in his head and it was almost like it was mechanical. And so we're like, huh. And then we, we piece this together with this guy Patrick's interview. So we just, the Crowley thing was like, cause it's a really active area and we were just trying anything and we did get results. You don't see it in the first one. It, we leave you hanging with the rim pod going off after I'm done. But like, I mean, RPGs upstairs staring into a mirror, we got this machine running. We got some psychic down there then something happens and I'll leave it at that. But it's, it's really like when, when it happened, I was like, nobody's going to believe this. Yeah. You had a veritable three ring circus going on, you know, with like crazy poetry in one corner, a psychic medium in another. And the final ring is RPG staring into a mirror. <laughs> and goats. Yeah. The goats, that was insane. Like they just would not stop trying to come in the house. And the owners were there and they're like, this never happens. And the cattle had broke out. And we're talking about probably 30 cattle that were running around the house. And everybody <laughs> was just so in awe that this is happening. They're just circling the house that neither one of our cameramen think to pick up their camera and film this. Like, Considering the poem that you're reading, I guess is, uh should be expected that some sort of pandemonium would break out. Right. Uh, oh, pandemonium. <laughs> that's that's the root of the word. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, uh, but Pan was like the Greek um, deity or Greek god of the forest. So we figured, you know, if um, if we want to get some help from the other side, maybe we could call on this dude and we offered RPG soul up as a, uh, <laughs> they don't want that. It's already been tainted. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's pure. Hey. That's a pure soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he stayed away from it, but it was, um, you know, it was crazy. It was something that 
a, a lot of people I think could get turned off by it. So like to watch the film, we we are trying ways to to find the creature as if it's an ape, but we're also trying these other ways that other people talk about. And I think that's going to be a turn off for some people, but that's fine. You know what I mean? Like we're making it for the open minded. Yeah, I think there's a there's an audience out there for that. I think yeah. Yeah, there should be. It's like what Tom Powell says to me. He says, Cliff, I'm glad you're doing the flesh and blood thing. That means I don't have to. I've got other things that keep my interest, you know? Yeah, more power to you. Experiments and getting weird and stuff. I'm all I'm always for I'm always all for getting weird. Yeah, I think we may have got too weird though, because everybody just was like, What are you doing right now? <laughs> really? Everybody <laughs> was freaked out. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Yeah, I did too, man. But like some of my uh, teammates were just like, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But so, so another thing to backtrack, um, there was a segment that we cut out of the film um, and the the psychic that's there. I had a little like Halloween gathering down there to raise money for the place uh, because it's a nonprofit. So like usually I'll do like three events there and all the proceeds go to them. But this psychic lady came out, and she uh, she was doing this like weird mumbling talk, sounded like some Southern Methodist Holy Spirit kind of thing. And uh, she goes, "Okay, so the Bigfoot said if you go out there, they'll they've left you something, and they're gonna leave another gift by tomorrow because they they love your show of respect." And I was like, "Okay." And what, what are these? These are the... The Bigfoots are talking to this lady, right? Okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't give it two seconds. and But I just humor her. She's like, seriously, you need to walk out there in the swamp. So we walk out there probably a half mile. And there's tracks going through the swamp. But they're like in the mud to where this thing sunk down probably 12, 15 inches. You know? Um, and I'm like, how would she have known they were out here? Uh, so I was like, whatever, it's just probably some poachers coming in here because the deer, they're not really too scared of you. You can get really close to them. And then the next day we left and then Dixie, the owner there or the CEO, she, she called me up and was like, Hey, who killed this rabbit? I'm like, what are you talking about? And right in front of the Tatum house, there was a little rabbit. And it was laid on a log, like a stump that you would have to see it, you know, as you walk into the house. And so the Dixie, the lady that runs it, she's a biologist. And so she cuts the thing open to see why it died. It was just a broken neck. Something just twisted this thing's head and then laid it there on the, on the stump. So that was actually the, the reason we were trying all of that kind of, uh, that whole route of going with the psychic and, you know, the ritual and all that stuff. Uh, just because that one event, because unless the psychic brought that rabbit with her, nobody in my group would have done anything like that. They, they know if I'd have caught wind of that, I would have, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. You know, yeah, I'll, but- I hunt, but I don't needlessly just go and kill things. But there's something kind of cool that, uh, you know, the owner finds a dead rabbit out placed um, on the property. And the, her first thought was like, these guys did it. 
that's really saying something for you guys, I think. So <laughs> you made a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> there were some people there uh, that were drunk. And there were they were like in their early 20s, but they signed up. They paid the 100 bucks to come and stay the night. And they got a little lit. And I was talking to her. I was like, Dixie, who is going to be able to run down a rabbit, first of all? <laughs> and second <laughs> of all, how are they going to do it drunk? Because these guys are really drunk. Like yeah. This dude was from legit Russia. He he straight up told us about how it was when the Soviet Union fell. He's like, he, he goes, imagine needing to call 911 and you can't. <laughs> he goes, because there's no 911. There's nobody coming for you. There's no police. There's no ambulance. He goes, that's exactly how it was. And so we just listened to him tell these stories all night. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why she initially come to us. And she was pissed. I mean, she was, she was really upset that, um, uh, you know, this rabbit was just had its neck broken. It was young rabbit. He it, it was, it wasn't that old yeah, and just yeah. laid there. So that was more or less the reason we went down that road. So, um, the, earlier, one of the other scenes that you guys did, something that I can really wrap my head around a little bit more because you know me, I'm kind of reductionist science nerd guy, right? Um, is when you tried to flush him out of that, uh, of the woods and flush a Sasquatch over to, uh, the big opening clearing area. Um, and when and at the end of the episode, and I did I did not realize I have to take, say that at the end of uh, the the entire episode, I did not realize that there was a second part coming, but um, I figured that out shortly thereafter. Um, so, w- was that the end? Was that the resolution we saw in the first um, episode there, or will there will that storyline be continued in the second episode with the hog? Uh, yeah, well, flushing it out and an RPG gets lost and thinks it's paranormal for a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was the end of that segment. Um, what happened seven years ago, or I guess in 2013, we did that same thing. Like, when the Mayaka video came out, that's where it went to. It was over in that section of the park. Uh-huh. And so we did that same thing, and we encountered the creature. Like, two people saw it. I didn't see it. I just like almost got run over by it because it ran really close to me and then headed the other way. Uh, so we wanted to try that again. We knew it was a long shot, but yeah, that that one all kind of resolved, and uh, then we went down another road for that. So what what stories out of the um, out of the first episode? Because you do this kind of a creep show esque sort of thing where there's different segments of stories and you bounce back and forth between them. What, which of those three or four um, storylines will be continued in the second um, installment of the skunk ape uh, experiments? So the, okay, we're at Mr. Rogers paranormal neighborhood. Um, It's just this one neighborhood there that every single person that lives down that street has seen the Bigfoot. Uh, the skunk ape. And so that one's continued because it, it becomes nighttime. Half of us go to catch a hog, which you see at the beginning of the film. We're like catching a hog, putting this collar on it and letting the hog go in hopes we're going to follow the hog and use him as bait. Um, but there's a night investigation that goes on there at Rogers um, in the neighborhood. And then the uh, Crowley Crowley house actually um, is throughout the film as well. And then it, uh, that segment of the Crowley house ends there with this, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away. But yeah. Don't ruin it. Don't yeah. Ruin it. It, it ends in uh, like pretty good fashion. 
there. It was pretty amazing. So just those two stories are going to be on the second installment? Yeah, they'll they'll continue on. Um, and then there's a, in the second installment, we like, we were doing a roadside recreation and this radio DJ drove by and was like, hey, why don't you come on my show tomorrow? So we went and made a, uh, like a call to anybody in the immediate area that had seen one. And then so we got reports and we go out and we interview those people. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And then after that, there will be a third installment. Did, did I am I remembering correctly? Yeah, yeah, there'll be a third one. So we, um, after all that, we get our info, everything that's happened, um, all things kind of, all the activities going on, and more or less like this triangle, which was weird. Um, it just kind of organically happened that way. That okay, we got all these reports and they're all within this like one triangle. So we kind of just, I went solo, RPG goes solo. Um, James and Paul, they go over to this other guy's property. Uh, He didn't want to go on camera, but he, he allowed us to go to his property where they had seen it. Like it was just like a normal thing. It's like, Hey, don't, don't be shocked if you walk around out there in the yard, see this thing running around. So, is it just uh, one? Has is, is everyone seen the same one? Well, I know that the the kid, the twenty two year old guy that lived there, the big guy. They see two usually, right? Is is there more than that, or there's like four of them? Yeah, in that neighborhood, there's like a family group almost. Um, there's an old one, there's a female, and uh, there's a few like younger ones. And one of the younger ones, I guess, the way they see it, and this is just them talking, but. Uh, they think he's like not with the pack, but trying to, I guess, maybe try to take over the pack. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like a lion. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Like he's uh, just this rogue element that comes through every now and then. Cause they see the family group more than they see everything. There's like this old grayer one that everybody sees. They say it looks kind of like a hyena. Uh, and then yeah. the big, the big female that, um, She's the mean one, is what. How big say. is she? Uh, she's over seven foot, but like he said, not over eight. So somewhere in between then, because I guess that kid was like six three, six two, something like that, and he said it was a good twelve inches taller than him. So it, it's it's just it's cool because I, I love to get these like neighborhoods, you know what I mean, where like everybody's having encounters. It kind of. Like, what's the chances that they're all in it lying for me to come down there and make some, you know, documentary? Like, what's the what's the payout? You know what I mean? Like, why would you go through the, you know, why would you go through all that trouble? So Right. So how long, how long has that family group been there? I don't really know, um, but they said they've been actually having constant sightings since 2016. Uh, It started out, um, Roger had said that he had found mice that were like wrapped up in grass and like crushed. Did he have any pictures of those? No, this is back like 2000 and. 10 i guess when he started noticing these things and he didn't really put nothing into bigfoot until he saw it um once he saw it then it was like 
he didn't say nothing for a year or two, but then like the neighbor was calling him and somebody like broke the ice to him. So then he went like, I guess, asking everybody in the neighborhood, uh, I guess when he come across them or something like that, cause he had a lawn care business. So he mowed most of their grass and they were like, yo, Hey, we were, we were walking this road. Um, y'all were there. Like when we went on the show, remember they, they flew the helicopter and y'all were riding the swamp buggy down that road. Yeah. yeah. That was the neighborhood. Okay. So, um, and there was actually a sighting right there off of that spot. Uh, somebody had seen it right there in the marsh and then it had taken off, you know? So I think there's like nine people in the neighborhood that are still alive that have seen the thing. That grass thing's interesting. Cause uh, years ago, years and years and years ago, a guy named Scott Taylor is a BFRO investigator. Um, he showed me, uh, he had the, he, he showed me the mice that were wrapped up in grass. He, he found those on a long-term witnesses property or maybe the witness found them. I don't know, but he had them anyway dead mice wrapped up in grass and they're about maybe, I don't know, three or five or half dozen of them or so. I have photographs of them in my files and I was kind of filed that away as like, well, that's a weird thing. We'll see if that comes up again. It's come up in Kentucky and Tennessee and Ohio. Well, I remember one, one, um, town hall meeting, a gentleman said that it was in New Jersey. Um, he said that he found those on his property. And I thought, thought that was very, very interesting. That was the second time I had heard of it. So now this is the third. Um, that's a interesting, a very interesting point that you bring up. When I was at a, a conference in Tennessee, like a year or two ago, a guy showed me, he had a bunch, he had tons of pictures and he actually brought in a couple of the, the balls and that's the guy that I lost. I had written it on a piece of paper, his contact info, because my phone was dead. I couldn't take any pictures from him. And he gave me his email so I could write to him. And he was going to send those to your museum, Cliff, those grass balls he'd brought in. And, um, and then also, I don't know what was in them, but people have seen him here in Humboldt a couple times. Uh, when there's, it was, it seems like there's always, they're never alone when they, with these grass balls show, but so when there's at least two Bigfoots, from what I've heard. And uh, they, they, they were shaped almost like footballs or rugby balls. And uh, they, like uh, there, one guy saw one in the Mad River holding, holding one uh, just outside of Blue Lake, not far from where I live. Well, I'd love to see those. Hopefully he'll actually follow through and send them to the museum. Yeah, this is actually the first time I've ever heard anybody speak about that besides him. Like, because when he told me that, I was like, okay, yeah, right. You know, because <laughs> you hear these things and, and it's like, what's the purpose in wrapping the mice in the grass? Uh, that's what I couldn't figure out. But who knows? Uh, but yeah, that, that's cool. I'd never, never heard anybody that had another report of that. Okay. Well, if anybody out there has, um, has found uh, dead mice wrapped up in grass, kind of interested in hearing from you. You can always write to us at uh, Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're interested in seeing these uh, same uh, mice wrapped up in grass, there is a report on the BFRO, um, BFRO.net, and it is report number 29355. Um, it's out of Washington, Lewis County from June 2011. Um, Scott Taylor is the investigator. It should be pretty easy to find. And there's a bunch of really interesting photographs. Scott took them himself um, of rock piles and dead mice and possible footprints, um, all sorts of good stuff down there. Uh, Scott is a very active investigator in Washington. Good, good friend. Um, real cool guy. I like the guy. Uh, so anyway, there you go. 
Again, that's BFRO report 29355. That's a Class B report from June 2011, Lewis County, Washington. So what do you think they would wrap them in the grass for? I don't know. What, what, what possibilities are there? I guess taste, um, preservation, you know? Yeah, maybe well, I was thinking gift, gifting, maybe. Gifting? I mean, yeah, because humans wrap things. And um, yeah. I am of the thought that most of our strange behaviors have some sort of slightly more archaic roots. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? Why not wrap some food up and give it to your honey, you know? You know, the, the gifting thing, I... I'd always had an issue with it. I was like, there, there's no way these things are actually doing that. But when that place that we talked about where the lady was conjuring the things up, uh, in that little cabin that's there, I would put coins on the AC, okay? And I would always put a different year or a different coin if it was the same year, and I would write it down. And this happened over probably about 10 months, and coins would be gone. You know what I mean? They would, they would always, there would always be a few of them gone, and I didn't really understand because it was like they would, they would take certain ones but leave certain ones. So maybe there was some meaning there. Uh, but the last time that this was before Hurricane Michael came, um, the last time that I was there, the original coins that were gone had showed back up. <laughs> they were on the AC, and I'd, I'd taken pictures of it and wrote the stuff down, but it's not proof, you know what I mean? That's, like, so so easy to make up, you know, so it's not really worth, like, talking about. But once that happened, I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this gifting thing, and it's, it's something I've been trying, but... I've got a spot in the woods that's got like several wind chimes and like bait, uh, like corn and all kinds of stuff. If I ever get caught doing that, I'm probably going to go to jail for that because you're not supposed to bait things up in a WMA. But got to catch me first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily, nobody listens to this podcast, so I think you're totally safe. Yeah, right. You know, they got to prove it. So. All right, well, there's the second half of our interview about the Skunk Ape Experiments. The first half, of course, was with RPG, and we want to thank RPG for coming on again. And the second half was, of course, Stacy Brown Jr., who's still here with us. And Stacy, thank you so much for coming on for a second time. It's nice to double dip into the Stacy pool every once in a while. Um, and, of course, you're always welcome to come back on if you have something you want to share with the audience. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, fellas. Yeah, thanks a lot, Stacy. Well, we didn't uh, quite straighten clip out all the way, but... We got him a little learned. No, but I did watch it. I, I enjoyed it. I love seeing my friends on, on camera and that sort of stuff. And speaking of which, can you tell our audience where they can see the Skunk Ape Experiments and also when to expect the second installment to come out? So the second and third installment will come out together. Um, you guys learned your lesson on the first one, left everyone hanging. I, I, I was so bad. I'm like, what? Don't leave me hanging like that. Well, see, that was the plan. Like our distributors, like, yeah, leave them hanging every episode and then wait two months to put the next one out. And then so we put the first one out and apparently the data's changed. So he's like, all right, we need all of them out right now. And I'm like, well, dude, you told me. <laughs> it's like, I don't have the other ones ready. So they ought to be coming. The second and third will come out together right around October. Um, and you can get these on Amazon, Vudu, um, any of those pay-to-play 
streaming services, you know, Xbox Live, uh, Google Play. There's about 10 or 11 of them, but Amazon's really the main one that everybody uses. So it's up there and, uh, you know. Yeah, it's a co- just a couple bucks, too. It's like three bucks or something. It's nice and cheap, too. So it's good, entertaining stuff. And, of course, you know me. I'm Mr. Bigfoots or Animal Guy, so I still enjoyed it. So if, if I can say that, it's something for everybody to watch. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different, you know, um, which you know helps us stand out from the other Bigfoot films because they all seem like if you get on Amazon, there's just like, the same one over and over and over and over again. So I'm with you, man. I'm not watching a lot of Bigfoot stuff nowadays because it doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything new. But I'll tell you what, you're doing something totally outside the box. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, y'all check it out, man. It's a uh... oh, yeah, it's great. I love, I loved it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But thank you very much, Stacy, for coming on, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. All right, thanks, Stace. All right, Cliff, we know you're well-versed in the Bigfoot, but Stacy and I helped you learn a little bit more about the beyond today, I hope. You're trying. <laughs> but, yeah, it was fun to watch. And, yeah, it was uh, a, lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I really did. Okay, folks, well, that's uh, it for this week. Thanks to RPG and Stacy Brown Jr. for coming on and the Skunk Experiments. It's uh, pretty interesting. Check it out and definitely check out the following up episodes. I'm sure you're going to watch after you see that one. And until then, folks, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 